All right, so good morning. Really glad to see you guys. All right, so uh, Kids City Kids are, gonna, are making their way on down, and while they're doing that and we're rearranging, share with the person beside of you your favorite family memory or and or maybe the most embarrassing family memory, a, a crazy family memory that you've got. Just take a moment. All right, so how many people went with, like, warm, cushy, happy family memory? And how many people went with, like, this really embarrassing thing that my dad said in front of my girlfriend or something like that? The embarrassing ones? All right. Okay, so... We have some very special memories that we want to share with you. We've got some images of some very uh, special moments in families' lives that were so important to them that they tried to recreate them. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a phenomenon called recreate the awkwardness. It's when, you know, a family says, oh, Billy was adorable. Now he's 45. Let's do it again. Okay. Those are very, very special memories. Oh, I remember when the kids did that. It's not weird and all that they're hairy grown men. Let's have them try it again. Cute ice cream. Mildly creepy. Weird. Now, what's really interesting is that dog shrank. But the kid grew. It's, just, it's a paradox. It's weird. Okay. Next. <laughs> I don't <laughs> So it's funniest when they try and capture really weird faces that, you know, a small child made. That this guy just I don't know. It looks like he's in an angry Irish folk band or something. He's like Mumford, I don't know. Okay? Again, just really weird. All right. What? I mean, really? What? Like, that's expensive to recreate, okay? I don't understand. I mean, that... That costs money to have those clothes. They probably had to make those. Here, Mom, we love you. Wow. Any more? That's awkward. There might be another one, maybe one or two. No. Okay. Yeah, you're welcome. That's over. So, um, sometimes we've got memories in our families that are that were really big deals and we want to try and recreate them and it just ends up awkward and we're like trying to force it like I don't know and, and I hope I'm not hurting your feelings if you've done that for a mother or father I would love to see it honestly we, we would really like to see those pictures um there were some funnier ones that it was just but it was like grown men in diapers and things and just really taking it too far so I didn't I didn't want to ruin the moment this morning but okay so we've got families that are very that they cherish these moments that they remember in their past and to maybe a little bit to the extreme so this morning we want to talk we want to prepare as as families as people that don't have families yet but plan on it 
um, even families that have been at this for a long time. We want to prepare you this morning and try and look at how we can keep from having to hold on to dear life for awkward moments in our past that we cherish and try and recreate them. But instead, building a daily, healthy, God-honoring, spirit-filled family structure that every day is a great moment. And every day is a moment that honors God and does something for the kingdom. That's, what, that's our goal today, is, is to build that. And so a couple things, if you need some notes, anybody need notes? Just raise your hand, we'll get some notes to you, um, and or a pen. Um, also, the, the outline is available if you are one that downloads the outline during service. Um, but it's not the one that's on the sheet, the note sheet. But if you go to the Gathering's Facebook page, you can download the outline. Uh, it's, it's there waiting on you. Um, so let me go ahead and give you the big idea. It's cheesy, but that's okay, because as long as cheese doesn't smell like feet, it's good cheese, right? So here's the big idea this morning. Parents that pastor grow Christians faster. It rhymes, right? Let's all say it together. Parents that pastor grow Christians faster. Excellent. Okay. All right. So we're talking about parenting pastors this morning. Um, and there's a couple of things that we need to address. Obviously, right out of the, back, the box before we go any farther. Um, some of you are not parents yet. Many of you are not parents yet. Many of you are still in college. Um, some of you don't desire to have a family. Um, all right, so before you check out already, because we're talking about parents pastoring their families, just don't do it. Just stick with me. This, this will be relevant to you. And if nothing else, and someday you're planning on starting a family and having kids, Now's the time to prepare, not play catch-up when, when you've left the delivery room, okay? So I get it that some of you, you're not in this case. Um, some of you uh, very seriously are battling uh, infertility issues. Um, I get that. That's mine and Jennifer's story, um, and I've shared it in the past, and one in four families will experience some kind of infertility so I get that, and so I understand that today could be painful because we're talking a lot about the family structure. Um, don't check out. Keep praying. I just want, and I want to encourage you, and we would love to pray for you, um, but I want to encourage you. Psalm 127 says that children are a gift from the Lord, and multiple times in the Gospels, specifically Matthew 7, uh, Jesus says uh, God knows how to give good gifts to his children. So keep praying through that and keep fighting through that and trusting um, that, and maybe be praying as well about um, the possibility of adopting an addition to your own children. So I get that. I want to be sensitive to you this morning. Some of you have children that are grown out of the house. Some of you say amen to that. Um, some of you, your, your kids are out of the house, and you feel like this is not applicable to you anymore, okay? Don't check out on me, because it very much is. It may, may even more so to you than the people that still have small children in their home. Um, and some of you are single moms, dads, or spiritually single moms or dads, meaning that you might still have a spouse in the home, but you are a believer and your spouse is not. And so you are spiritually 
the spiritual leader in, their, in, the, in your kids' lives. So I get that. We want to be sensitive to all these things. We want you not to give up this morning because we're talking about pastoring our kids. I want you to stay with me um, till the end, okay? Can you do that? And we'll, we'll go really fast. All right, so there, there's a, on your notes, number one is uh, what does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say to you about pastoring your kids? Or to you who don't have them yet about pastoring the kids you have in the future? Okay, so I want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy. We're going to read a few really, really key scriptures this morning. So if you will turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Read this for you. And um, if you don't have a Bible and you want one right now, just raise your hand. We'll, somebody bring you a Bible, and you can hang on to it. All right, Ephesians, um, Ephesians. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Here we go. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I'm commanding to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Or every, all day, like all the time. Essentially, this is, he's saying, you will teach this, you will, you will share my word, my commandments with your kids as a lifestyle, as a daily thing. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead, and you'll write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. In short, culture. He's saying, parents, fathers, make your children's lives, every, every bit of your daily life, a culture of caring for and nurturing their soul. All right, let's keep reading. Maybe an even better one is in Deuteronomy chapter 12. Let me start reading you 12, 18. Let's see if you're paying attention. All right. But you shall eat them before the Lord your God in the place which the Lord your God will choose your son and daughter. Okay. That's weird, right? Here's why that's weird. Because it's actually the reference is Deuteronomy 11. Nobody appreciated that? Caught that beforehand? Nobody caught that. Okay. All right, so I put Deuteronomy 12, and your notes say Deuteronomy 12. We do not want you to eat your children. We are not that kind of church. This is not a cult. I do not endorse the eating of your children. Okay? If you will go back over to chapter 11, we'll read the appropriate one. Cool? All right, so you'll make a note of that so you don't share this uh, with people later from your note sheet and tell them to eat their kids. Verse 18 in chapter 11, you'll that you shall therefore impress these words of mine on your heart, on your soul, and you'll bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be on the frontals of your forehead. You will teach them to your sons, talking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you rise up. So he repeats all of that. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates so that your days and the days of your sons will be multiplied in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them as long as the heavens remain above the earth so that your days and your children's days will be multiplied. You pour in and care for their souls. All right. I want to go to Psalm 78 too. And these are going to be some chapters that you're going to want to reread and you're going to want to pour over because we are not going to get, this is not all going to make the, the most sense in the world in, in one day. And I get that. So if you'll go to Psalm 78 with me, 
All right. Psalm 78, I want to read you the first seven verses. Cool? You're tired of hearing me read yet? Don't be tired, okay? All right, here we go. Listen, O my people, to the instruction, uh, to my instruction, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I'll open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. So not like secret magic incantations. Or something. It's, it's just talking about the, the wisdom and knowledge that our fathers and our grandfathers passed to us about our faith. That's what, that's what he's saying here. Verse 3, um, dark sayings of old, which we have heard and we have known, and our fathers have told us. We will not conceal them from their children, but will tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he's done. For he established a testimony in Jacob, and he appointed a new law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know even the children yet to be born that they may arise and tell them to their children that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Okay? Are you tracking with all that so far? Can I read you one more? All right, so go. You don't have to turn to Ephesians. You don't have to turn to Ephesians. I'll read you this one, though. It's Ephesians 1, or 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So there's a common, um, there's a common bond in these scriptures, right? Have you noticed it? What is it? Who is it addressing? Parents. Moms, dads. If you notice, you won't see pastors. Make sure you take really good care of those parents' kids spiritually. You ever see that in your Bible? Not really. Here's, here's the deal today. And we've been talking about big O statements that are when the plan of God is more shocking than safe. Here's, here's that statement for today. God doesn't expect the church to care for your children's souls. He expects you to. You are your children's senior pastor. And that is a foreign concept in a lot of ways, right? You, parents, are your children's senior pastor. Not Paul. Paul is not here to... to cultivate your child's soul and make sure that your child follows in the way of the Lord and walks with Jesus, that's your job. And over and over and again, the Bible tells us that. It tells us in a lot of other places. So that's, that's, what, that's our focus today. So don't give up on me should you not have those kids yet or you desire to have them and you do not have them yet. You're not married. They're gone and out of the house. It's, you're not out of the picture. Okay? Alright, so all these scriptures tell us this, that They are calling you to pastor your kids by integrating Jesus into their daily lives. Not taking them to church once or twice a week and hoping for the best. Okay, is that, can we be honest, that's kind of our culture? 
That's kind of been how it works. I really want, because who, who wants bad for their kids? Right, nobody, right? Who, who in here that's a believer doesn't really care if your kid follows Jesus or is a Christian? Like, nobody would say that. We would flog you if you said that, right? We don't, we don't do a good flogging in here enough. But, so nobody would say that, right? We want it. We want that to be our, child, our, our child's life and, and spiritual experiences. But it's not enough to take them to a church a couple times a week and kind of cross your fingers and hope for the best. It's not enough. It will not, it will not work because it's not the way that it was designed to work. You want another cheesy statement? I got it. Don't cross your fingers over your child's soul. Listen to God and do your role. Right. You'll remember that. Let me say it again. Don't cross your fingers over your child's soul. Listen to God and do your role because it's you that he has called to nurture, to nurture their, uh, their hearts and their souls. I got a quote for you for, um, from Pastor Mark Driscoll. Parents love their children the deepest, know them the best, and are with them the most. They are best suited to be a child's primary pastor who evangelizes them, teaches them, loves them, prays for them and with them and reads scripture to them. That's on the outline. I won't read it again. Man, does that hit home or what? And for some of you, that scares you to death because you're looking at that and you're hearing me say that and you're thinking, gosh, I mean, I'm struggling in my own, on my own self just to have a relationship with Jesus. I, I'm, I'm dying on the inside of my own self spiritually. And like Paul makes a great point this morning, sometimes we feel like we can't come in here and we can't worship the Lord because of the baggage that we've come in, but it doesn't negate the mightiness of God, and it also doesn't negate the scripture that God wrote for you, saying, you are the spiritual leader of your families. Your children need you to pastor them. All right, so those are some very important scriptures that we're, gonna, we're going to, I want you to, you're going to want to read again, you're going to want to soak those in. And make sure, remember, that it's Deuteronomy 11, not 12. Um, But we want to ask another question this morning. First, we ask, what does the Bible say about parents being pastors? Okay? We looked at some key scriptures. Let's ask this question now. Why should I pastor my kids? Why should I be a pastoring parent? Um, And I think the answer to that is culture. Right? That makes sense, right? Not really. So here's why culture is what comes to mind while I was preparing this morning. So culture is a way of thinking, behaving, or working that exists in a place or organization. It's the beliefs, customs, art, etc. of a particular society, group, place, or time. Everything has a culture, right? Everywhere. Cultures get built on a daily basis. So we're not talking about like American culture, Latin American culture, we're talking just the cultures in our daily lives. We build them. They're in the workplace. They're in your homes. They're in this church. We have a culture in this church that says, come as you are, that says, we really love you. And if you don't like being around people and talking to people, then you might not like this because we want to hug you like right now. We want to give you a hug. That's like a culture here. Um, Cultures of losing. The Panthers, right? There's a culture of, of, of losing, regardless of talent, okay? Like, you build cultures. Also, a culture of winning, and forgive me if I throw up when I say it, but the New England Patriots, the culture of winning 
Like, they just win, even when the team's not that good. They, they've built this culture of it. There's, you have cultures of success in a business, hard work, a cultures of apathy that are built. We build cultures, and our kids learn and grow in cultures as well. Like, my daughter is two, and she uses Siri. All right, so if you don't know Siri, it's the assist, you know, the, the assisting computerized voice in here that's supposed to do things that you ask it to do, which it doesn't really anymore, but that's besides the point. But my daughter will pick up a phone or a play phone or our phone, and she will say, call mom out like this, and she'll yell at her phone, call mom out. And she'll, my daughter picked up on this culture of how to use a cell phone and use Siri. I mean, cultures are built all the time. You see that? So here's what, here's why you should pastor your kids, and here's why grandparents, you should stay in this game because your grandparents, your grandkids have, are having cultures built around them. And here's why young singles are married without children. Here's why you should prepare to pastor a family and pastor kids because cultures are built every day. Every day. So here's three, here's three cultures that we want to build, and you can write these down in your notes or it's in that expanded outline. Um, number one, you build a culture of Jesus. What do I mean by that? Romans 6.6 6 and Galatians 2.20 tells us that if we're in Christ, we're no longer our own. We have been bought with a price, and we belong to Jesus. So that means that every ounce of our life reflects who? Jesus, or it should. Every action we make is based on the fact that we belong to Jesus. Every word that we speak, every decision that we make should reflect the fact that we follow Jesus. So a culture of Jesus means that we don't go to church on Sundays and put on a Jesus hat. A culture of Jesus means that in the church, outside of the church, in the car, at the office, headed to bed at night, everything reflects Jesus. It's a culture. It is our culture. More importantly than being an American citizen, we are a citizen of the kingdom of God. I mean, it reflects in everything. So you build a culture of Jesus in our homes. You make common everyday life turn back to Jesus. You have ordinary conversations. You turn them back into spiritual conversations. That's how you build a culture with your kids. Well, that's how you will build a culture, I hope, with your kids that are not born yet. But that's how you will reclaim the culture of Jesus with your kids that maybe are already out of your house. Or kids that need a spiritual parent and that God has put you in their life. Here, here, here's some examples. How you turn ordinary conversations and situations into spiritual ones. So if a son says, hey, Dad, Billy's a Duke fan. Like, you would know the thing to do right there is to, you have a, a conversation about evil with your, with your son. And you could say, son, there's always going to be evil in the world until Jesus comes back and, and makes things perfect. And let's kind of talk about some of that. See ordinary conversation in, into something spiritual. So if the daughter, your daughter comes to you and says, look, there's some kids being really mean to this other girl at school. And it, and it bothers me. And it kind of breaks my heart. And I feel... I get these feelings when I see it, like I want to do something about it. Spiritual conversation with your kid. All right, daughter, 
Maybe that's the Holy Spirit convicting you to step in and be Jesus in somebody's life. And maybe you need to take a stand, regardless of what the outcome might be, to love on somebody and to minister to somebody. Spiritual conversations in the home. Um, your child, your kids want to go watch Paranormal Activity 8, because we're probably there at that point, and it might be a great time to talk about spiritual warfare that really exists, and we don't want to take light of it. These are just some examples. Like, everything can turn back to spiritual conversations, spiritual situations with your family, with your kids in the home. Does that make sense? That's how you build a culture of Jesus so that Jesus isn't just that guy that we talk about on Sundays. Okay? That's, that doesn't cut it. That's not enough. And then there's a great chance that your kid walks away from Jesus if that's all that he is, is that guy that we talk about on Sundays. Another example is lovingly rebuking your child who has sinned because Jesus calls us to holiness. So there is definitely a place to disciplining, rebuking your child, saying, look, son, here's what the Bible says about the thing that you've done. I love you. You have done wrong. Let's repent and let's pray about it and let's walk forward. That's the kind of thing that kids need from their dads and their moms. And we can't put on Paul's shoulders or another pastor's shoulders because you're their senior pastor. Um, you build a culture of Jesus not by making him, just making him Savior, but making him Lord, believing what he says, following what he says, reflecting your life in him and all that you do. Um, let's see, another culture that we build is a culture of longevity. And this is, um, uh, we see an example of this in Proverbs. If you turn to the book of Proverbs, or I'll read it to you. Proverbs chapter 3, 1 through 6. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so that you'll find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge him and he'll make your paths straight. We want a culture of longevity for our family, for our kids. And what I mean by that is we want them to hang around the Lord. We want them, this thing to be longer than uh, I'm 18, I'm out of the house, I don't do that church thing anymore, which is our society. I mean, how many of you have heard some kind of statistic about how many kids lead the church at age 18. Like, raise your hand if you ever heard some sort of statistic like that. I don't, I mean, I can give you a ballpark. I mean, I, do you remember the latest statistic of that? I mean, it's, yeah, I, I, it's around three quarters of kids graduate from high school and then they walk away from the church. They walk away from Jesus because nobody's saying, go to church because I want you to be good and fixed. Because nobody's making them do that anymore. So we've heard statistics like this, and the first instinct a lot of times is point at the church and say, church, you need to do more. You need to make sure my kid gets it, my kid gets fixed. And I'm a parent now, now that I'm a parent, and the more scripture I read through this, I'm looking at myself in the mirror, and I'm saying, self, try harder and fight for her soul. Parents, try hard. Try really hard. Try desperately. Fight for their soul. Grandparents, if, if your kids aren't fighting for your grandkids' souls, fight for their souls. If your neighbor's kid has parents that don't believe and you can have an avenue into his or her life, fight for his or her soul. 
We want to build a culture of longevity that they don't walk away from. We'd fight for their lives, right? Like, I will grab whatever blunt object, and I will just destroy your face if you were attacking my daughter, right? I mean, that's what we would do, right? I mean, that's what you do for your kids, right? We fight for their lives. Their lives expire. 70, 80, 90 years, maybe less than that. Their lives will expire. Their souls will not. Did you get this? There is so much weight to this. They need to fight for their souls. Um, A couple chapters over in Proverbs 22. Really, really, really good scripture. And this one is on the note sheets. And this is just important. And this just needs to be... If you could take out an ink pen and just write this on your heart right now. I mean, let me read that to you. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's on you. That's on us, moms, dads, grandparents, spiritual parents. Take that. Train that child up, and he will not walk away. She will not walk away from it. That's a promise in Scripture. I didn't write that. That's a promise in Scripture, what happens when you cultivate your child's soul. And so some of you, I know this kind of of hurts because I know that some of you, maybe your child uh, has walked away from the Lord, or maybe you're inside of you, you want to kind of point the finger at me and say, your daughter's two years old. Wait till she's a teenager. Um... I'm not trying to condemn this morning. I'm trying to read scripture that says, here's what Jesus has called us to, and we will not be perfect in it, but we must pursue the souls of our kids. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. There's no question. You're going to rip a lot of Bible out if you want to neglect the role that we have in pastoring our kids. Deal? Um, so we want to build a culture of Jesus that is just our daily life of following him. We want to build a culture of longevity that means our kids stick around with the Lord to the end of their life. And we want to build a culture of multiplication. And if you go back to Psalm 78, um, it, it, it speaks as good to this as any scripture that I could have found for you. Psalm 78 says... Um, that they should teach them, he's talking about teaching to your children, that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children so they'll put their confidence in God. Multiplication. I mean, it's a simple thing. You learn it in second or third grade how to start multiplying, but think about this. When you are ministering to the soul of your son or daughter and they they start living a culture of Jesus and a culture of longevity when they have kids what do they do they will re- they will repeat what you have done with them and when their kids have kids they will repeat what they did with their parents and before you know it you because you are faithful to scripture and faithful to your kids you've bred an army of devout followers of Jesus not pew sitters, right? Not people that say my faith happens once a month, once a week, because it doesn't. Um, 
I've got one grandfather left. He literally could pass any minute. He's been uh, in the stages and finishing the, the process of death for, for a week now. Um, and I'll just, I've, been, I've been with him a lot. I've seen him a lot. I've, I've held his hand. He's, he's stopped responding altogether. I mean, so he's so close to him going home with Jesus. And, and um, I was just doing some of this multiplication. He had two kids, which resulted in four grandchildren, which re- resulted in four great-grandchildren, and two are on the way. One of them's not mine, not yet, so don't read into that. Hopefully that expands to about 10 great-grandchildren, which could result in 20 to 30 great-grandkids, which could result in 60 to 90, 100 great-great-grandchildren, and so on. I mean, do you see that? And so if he'd skipped out at the beginning with the two children that he had cultivating their souls, what happens to the hundreds down the road? I don't know. I'm one of them. Does that make sense? Do you see, you kind of start to see the weight of this and how important it is to do what God has asked us to do is to pastor our kids. All right. So are you still with me? Are you sure? Just wave your hands around if you are, like both hands. Just because I want to see if your pits are sweaty, so, because I don't know. Is it gamey in here? No. All right, so, parents, you're responsible for your child's soul. And think about this. That means you're accountable for them. Okay, so let's kind of think about the inverse of this. If we're not going to pastor our kids, what's the, what's the end result of that? If we are willing to just say, I want my child to follow Jesus, but I'm cool with just making sure that they're at church and hoping for the best, the end result of that is, well, you, you are still accountable for them. Because you put, because we put, the, the weight of our kids' souls on a pastor or a church, that does not remove the weight from us of accountability for our kids. Does that make sense? I probably said that really strangely. But just if we put, if we put the responsibility for our kids' souls on the church, we don't remove the accountability for our kids' souls from us. We are still accountable for them. Think, of, think more practically. If you walk into a store and your kid... Your eight-year-old knocks over a priceless work of art and breaks it into a priceless 800 pieces of art. What does the shop owner do? The shop owner, get up in your kid's face. Kid, you better get your checkbook out because you owe me $2,000. No, the shop owner looks to you is straight in your eyes and pierces your soul and expects you to handle that, right? Because that's how this thing works, because you're accountable for your child. You're accountable for them spiritually. And so then you're accountable for the decisions that they are going to make, and that has a lot of weight. And that scares me. That scares me a lot. Does, I don't know if that scares you. You're accountable for the actions of your kids. Even if they go astray, he put you in charge of shepherding their souls, so we're accountable for them. So... Let's break this down really practical, and I hope I'm not overstepping my boundaries, but if my daughter, when she's 18 years old, if she doesn't love Jesus enough to dress modestly and wear something that causes a young man to stumble and think lustful thoughts about my daughter and then go home and start looking at pornography, in a sense, I'm accountable for that, and that scares me to death. 
Because at the very start of this thing, I should have been shaping her soul. Because God put me up to it. I don't know, maybe that's a stretch, but that's the kind of things I can't get out of my mind. That if I'm, I'm building her up, I'm pastoring her now, a lot of, there's a lot of weight, there's a lot of strings attached to this that go in infinite directions. Um, all right, so, I want you to, I want you to, to hear this before we keep going any farther. Because um, I really want this to carry weight. If you're not shaping your child's worldview, morality, heart, and mind, someone or something unholy will. Can I say that again? If you are not shaping your children's worldview and their morality and their heart and their mind, someone or something will. That's culture. Okay? Something unholy, someone unholy will shape them and turn them into something that you do not desire them to be. That is just fact. There's no working around that. If we submit our families to Jesus, he'll transform them, okay? Now, what we're talking about this morning and um, is a, we're, we're still waiting, right? All right, how many of you have really young kids? Okay, how many of you, you know, we've got some, I know, people in here that might be pregnant right now or uh, we've got kids that are maybe in middle school or still in high school so we're all waiting on them to grow up right and that's just part of the process they're going from a child to an adult okay so we're still waiting on that process it's a process there's a difference in how we wait okay and I want to want to look at that real quick there's active waiting and there's passive waiting and I want to kind of explain that to you we know, I know that Kata one day will be a 20-year-old woman out on her own in the real world. I can actively wait for that to happen. I can passively wait. So what's that mean, actively or pass- passively waiting? All right, so if I cut my finger, if I passively wait for it to heal, I just kind of leave it alone try not to touch it and try not to get it dirty, Right? because I don't want to get infected. If I actively wait for it to heal, what would I do? Clean it, medicate it, bandage it. Does that make sense? I mean, this is practical. I mean, it's like we're all back in kindergarten right now. I'm, forgive me if I'm insulting you. But if you plant a tree in the, in the yard and you passively wait on it to turn into a great tree, you would put it in the ground and hope that the soil was pretty good and that it rains. If you actively wait on that to turn into a great tree, what do you do? You condition the soil before you put it in. You put some mulch around it to hold in the moisture. You water it yourself and let it build roots. If you're taking a test, we have a lot of college students. How many of you are already hitting some exams? How many of you have exams this week? If you passively wait on that exam to get here, you just kind of wait until the day comes and you take the test. If you actively wait, you study your brains out. And you sit up all night eating chocolate-covered espresso beans because you forget about the fact that they're espresso beans and you're just up late studying and then you develop an eye twitch for the next decade. That may or may not have happened to me. And if you look real close in my face, you'll see it. But don't do that right now because it would be awkward. If you, if you need a bus, how do you, pass, you passively wait on a bus by just going outside and hoping that a bus comes by. 
If you actively wait, you know where it's coming, you know the stop, and you know the time, and you're ready to board. This is real practical, right? Our kids, your grandkids, your future kids, your spouse, you're all going to grow up into something else. You're going to be different five years from now, five days from now. You can passively wait for that to happen, or you can actively take a part in it. Does that make sense? All right, here's what we're going to do. Let's just go. We're going to get uber practical, and we're going to paint a picture of what this looks like. And very specifically, we're going to bring the kids up here from Kids City. You can make the call. Make the call. It's very secret. All right, so we're going to bring your kids back up here because here's what we want to do. We want you to pray over your kids, moms, dads, grandparents, spiritual parents. We want you to pray over your kids. We want you to covenant to pastor them. We want you to make a commitment to actively waiting for them to get to adulthood, not passively waiting. So as they come up, I want to wrap this thing up. What's it look like and how do I start? That's the last part of your notes. What's it look like and how do I start? All right, so we're gonna, we want to incorporate and, and invite you as a church and as families to start doing something called family worship, okay? And we're going to give you a book today. You'll see at the bottom of, of the note sheet, and if you don't have a note sheet, you can still covenant with us, but I would make one, I would grab one so that you can, if you decide that, yes, I will pastor my, my kids, my family, whatever the cost, you should grab a note sheet, sign your name, just to make that commitment before the Lord this morning. But, um, and we'll talk about that more in a second. I thought they were already up here. They're fast. Uh, we're going to give you this book, If You Covenant With Your Kids, and it's talking about introducing family worship into the home. And what that is is three things, particular three things, is praying for and with your family, reading and discussing Scripture together, and then singing songs to Jesus and praising Him and adoring Him. Yes, in your home. And what is essentially what this is doing is us calling you to make your home a what? A church. Well, if He's called you to be a pastor, then He wants your home to be a church. And so when you drive home from a church... You should be driving home to a church. That's what we want. That's what we want to build here with the families in our church. Um, so we, we'll give you a copy of this book. I've got, I think, 40 books up here that we'll give you a copy, and we want you to read, and we want you to pray about, and we want you to see. And, and you know, if you're right around the bend getting married or having kids, or if you just want one and you're a college student and you will commit to reading it and praying in advance for the family I don't have yet, and praying for the spouse I don't have yet and the kids I don't, I don't have yet, then you're welcome to one because we want to develop you now. You don't need to play catch-up later. Um, so this book goes into great, great detail, but, and it gives you real practical ways that we do this, how we can worship with our family. But the three that we mentioned in particular were praying for them and with them, praying prayers of adoration, Matthew 6 and Psalm 19, prayers of confession, prayers of intercession, prayers of thanksgiving. Um, it breaks down all these. The outline has scriptures specific for these. There come our awesome kids coming on in. Y'all just come straight on in. Um, how else do I do this? Reading scripture together. And, and we want to make it even more practical for you. If you saw the slides come, um, that were 
that were coming across the screen earlier that talked about the next series that we're going to be starting. Anybody see that? Anybody see the, know the name of the series? Paul says love like Jesus. He would be correct. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Starting next next month, we're going we're gonna to take four weeks and we're going to walk through the book of 1 John in a series called Love Like Jesus. And what we're asking you to do, and, and keep with me, I know they're awesome and they're adorable, and I am far, far exponentially less adorable and awesome. But look here, just, just stick with me, we're almost done, I swear. What we're going to do in this series is we want you to read the book of 1 John all four weeks. Like the first week, the book of 1 John. Second week, read it again, thinking about a little bit different. The third week, the fourth week. We've already told you what to read with your families now. All right, so this family worship at home, you're going to be praying with and for your kids, and now you know what to read. You can read through the book of 1 John, and real, real practically, that might mean that um, the five chapters of it, you read Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, one chapter a day. Okay, does that, does that make sense? And this is why I'm saying grandparents don't take yourselves out of the picture. Maybe you need to get a hold of your grandkids or your great-grandkids and spend some spiritual time nurturing them. And the last one is singing songs and praises to Jesus. We sing to him in corporate worship. We should be singing to him all the time. I want you to knock that water on my shoes. They were $8. All right, so... Psalm 96 and Psalm 150 talks about corporate worship. So here's what I want you to do. If your kid is up here, I want you you to come stand with your child. Um, Now, you can actually get up, stand with your kids, because I want you to actively be in this process. Okay? And this might feel a little weird, feel a little different. I feel like you're on the spot, but that's good. You should be on the spot right now. Or if it's your grandkid... Or if it's somebody that needs a spiritual parent in their life right now, okay? So here's what we're going to do. I want you to pray over your son, your daughter, your grandchild, and ask. Here's what I want you to ask. I want you to ask the Lord to help you pastor your kids and to commit to pastoring your kids because God has put this responsibility in your hands, parents, grandparents. All right, so you might be sitting in your seat with a small child. You might be sitting in your seat with an unborn child. You might be sitting in your seat with lots of questions or dreams of a future family. You're not out of the loop, okay? I want you to, co- to covenant in your seat to be in preparation for that. College students, you want to get married someday, you plan on having a family, you can be praying, Get hear this, you can be praying for your families right now for your children that don't even have a name yet because they have a name that God has already named your child. And before he created the world, he knew your child. You get that? And before he created the world and knew your child, he knew their spouse. You can be praying for that right now, and I encourage you to do that. Um, And then we're going to kind of talk about what we're going to do after that. So can I just give you a moment? And if it feels awkward, whatever, just take the awkwardness and drink it up and, and sit there and just focus on the Lord this morning. Can we do that? So you take the time to pray, and then um, I'll kind of wrap us up. You can have a seat, do whatever you need.
And parents in the uh, still sitting, you might you might even want to call a, chi- a child that's not here or a grandchild that's not here and let them know that you love them and ask them if you can play a big role in their life spiritually. Now you can walk outside and take care of that if you need. Hey, let me pray for us right now. Father, I thank you for these amazing kids up here. And I thank you for the ones that are yet to come and the ones through uh, many prayers and uh, broken hearts that you will give to this body and give to this church and give to mom and dads sitting out there um, because you love children and you've called them a gift and you are great at giving gifts. And our Bibles tell us this much. And so, Lord, we pray. I pray this morning for myself as a dad, for my wife, and for all the parents and grandparents and spiritual parents that are here this morning. I pray that you would put in our hearts a desire to pastor our families. And that you would prevent us from putting that weight on the church but you would help us to joyously take that responsibility on ourselves. God, I pray that you would give these moms and dads up here that stand up in front of this church and say, I love my kid, I'll pastor my kid. I pray that you would give them wisdom and boldness. I pray that you would expand their heart and their love for their kid. I pray that you would unify their family structure, that you would heal problems in their homes, that you would heal hurts and pains, that you would heal Pasts and scars and injuries that have been that have come from father or mother or son or daughter. I pray that you would begin to transform you. You said when we draw near to you as individuals, you draw near to us. When we draw our families near to you, we know that it's the same thing, that you'll draw our families near to you. And you'll draw us near to each other. And God, I pray that you would bless these families that are up here and that you would do miraculous things because they're willing to go home and pray with their kids, pray for their kids, read the Bible that changes lives, and worship you. Lord, I pray that you would build in this church men and women, adults of all ages as a support system for families, in particular for the the single moms and dads in this church. Help us all to be a support system for them and their kids as they seek to lead their children and to cultivate their souls, God. We're all trying to figure this out. We acknowledge that to you, Lord. We've been up here, standing up here for a while talking about this. I do not get it, though. I don't understand it yet. I don't know how to do it yet. I'm trying. I'm a dad with a three-year-old. I pray that you give me as much wisdom as you would give everybody else in this room and that you would change our families through it. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word that teaches us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here's what's going to happen. All right, kids, kids, look at me real quick, because they're going to go back down to Kid City because we still want to secure your children, and we don't need them getting grabbed or getting lost in the mix. So they're going to go down there. You're still going to check them back out the normal way because that's just how we do it here. All right, so kids, look at me real quick. Kids, look at me. The big, ugly, white dude up here on the stage. Look at me. All right, so. All right. I've been telling your parents and your grandparents how God wants them to pray for you 
and to read the Bible to you and to encourage you to love Jesus just like he loves you, that's what our Bible tells your moms and dads to do. So here's what it tells you to do. It tells you to let them, okay? It tells you to be happy that your parents love you and that your parents want you to know more about Jesus, okay? So I want you to, with a happy face, when mom and dad say, let's read the Bible together, I want you to say, okay, try that. Okay, let me give you a count. One, two, three. Come on, I don't even believe it myself. When your parents want to read you the Bible, say okay. When they, when they want to pray for you, tell them things that they can pray for you about. Guess what? Ask them, ask them what you can pray for them about. I know you might be small, but that doesn't mean that God hears, doesn't hear your prayers quite as good. Okay? So ask your parents how you can pray for them. Be happy that they love you and they want you to know more about Jesus. Cool? Deal? All right. Go back down there and they'll come get you in a moment. Okay? All right. Thank you, parents. All right. Here's what we're going to do. On that note sheet. Um, on that note sheet, there is a, there's a place to sign your name at the bottom that says something along the lines of, I'm going to covenant to pastor my kids, pastor my family. And like I told you, I don't really know how to do that much better than you. I've read this book. It's great. We're going to give it to you. It's about 100 pages. If you want it, if you want it, we expect you to read it. We bought it for you. It wasn't that much, but we want you to read it because we believe it will change your family and your family structure. And grandparents don't shy away from it because you are not out of the picture of your grandkids' lives. And we've said that over and over and over again. So here's what we're going to do. If you, want to, if you are covenanting this morning to sign that paper, do it. You don't have to turn it into me. You're just signing it. It's for you. It's for the Lord. And if you want to, if you want to raise your hand to, sh- and to show this body that you're covenanting with um, the Lord to pastor your kids, just proudly say it. Let me see your hand. Can we just do that? Because I am, okay? I'm trying to figure this thing out, and me and Jennifer are. And we want to pastor our kids. And so we want to start family worship. And what that looks like is, is daily having a church service in our home. And it doesn't mean it's an hour. It shouldn't go as long as these. These shouldn't go as long as these a lot of times. No amens. That's good. Cha-ching. So it might be 10 minutes. And we've told you even what to read. And we'll follow back up with this. And this book is really going to change things. So can I get a few... Can I just get some help? I don't really know how to close this thing up, but can I get a few volunteers to help me pass out books? I've really, I've got 40 up here. If you are covenanting, say, I'm going to pastor my kids, we're going to bring you a book right now. It's 100 pages. Like, I'm horrible at reading, so it took me like three weeks, but you probably don't suck at reading like I do, so you'll read it this afternoon. Cool? If you want one of these books, you pastor your kids, show of hands, we'll bring you a book, Okay? We love you. We want to not preach at you. We want to equip you to change your family structure. You get that? We love you desperately. We love your kids. All right. Um, I want to read you another quote, and it comes out of this book. It says this. Uh, it's on page 40. Our primary reason for engaging in family worship is the glory of God. Our primary reason that 
we want to worship at home with our families, and we want you to, is for the glory of God. God is honored and glorified as a Christian family gathers to commune with him, to receive from him, and to give praise, adoration, and thanksgiving to him. Family worship is a living banner, okay? Think about that. It is a living banner that we wave around. It is a living banner that speaks louder than any sign over our mantelpiece or engraving on the wall which loudly proclaims, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Where's that scripture from? You don't have to tell me the chapter, but you know what book that's in, right? Joshua. We all know that. We have things on the wall, grandparents that say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's more than, it's more than a, a verse. It's more than a sentence. And I'm telling you, to make that really happen, take a stand, take worship into your home, take this book, read it, let's talk about this, let's communicate about this, make that a reality in your home. Their souls, God has placed their responsibility for that on you, and it's a great responsibility. So take it proudly with hands that are kind of scared and shaky about it, trust in the Lord that if he's asked you to do it, take care of it cool can we uh can we pray together this morning um just kind of wrap this up and um then we got some things to talk to you about share with you all right let's pray father i thank you that you have i thank you and trust that you have put a burden into the hearts of not just me and my wife this morning but that you have put a burden into the hearts of moms and dads and future moms and dads and grandparents and spiritual parents and great-grandparents, I pray that you have put in us a desire this morning to cultivate the souls of our children, to be their senior pastors, to not let the spiritual thing happen once a week, but for it to be their life and their culture. And I pray that you would give us all wisdom, show us how to do it, bless the efforts that we start as small as they may be. The five minutes that we spend tonight worshiping you with our family, we pray that you would be honored by it. We pray that you would multiply it. We pray that you would bless it. And we pray that you would develop our kids and that you would save their souls at a very early age and hold on to them forever, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for for showing us how to do this. And I pray that you would give us all a burden to start to continue on in it, to not give up, to not lose hope, but to trust that you know what's best for our kids. In Jesus' name, amen.